You Betcha Sheeted is brought to you by the Ladies First podcast production company, specializing in helping women entrepreneurs launch and manage podcasts and YouTube channels. Learn more at their website, ladiesfirstpodcastproduction.company. Did she really do that? You betcha she did. And welcome to You Betcha She Did. I'm your host, Raina Rakiki. Today, we have an extra special guest for you uh, and a personal friend of mine. It is Rebecca DeQuesnoy, also known as Reba. She is a horticulturalist and woman farmer extraordinaire who can grow anything and everything. And actually, let me add, she's not only a farmer, she is a farm her, a farm her, a female farmer. Let's meet her and learn a little bit more about what she does. Yeah, so Serendipity Cut Flowers. Um, I am a local flower farmer that is focused on sustainable, seasonable blooms. We provide cut flowers usually from May to end of September, possibly even in October. But our main focus is environmental sustainability. So everything that we do is focused around that. Cool. I love that. I love the whole idea of... You know, flowers grown in a more environmental, sustainable way. It's like flowers you can feel good about. What made you want to start this business and how long have you been in business? Um, We started in 2021. The concept was sort of initiated. And what made me kind of want to get into this business is um, my kids were getting older and I was starting to realize like, okay, I was staying at home. I need to figure out a career. And I've always loved growing things. And, and my husband had said to me, like, do do something that makes you happy. I always love growing. And so I thought, well, I'll take a class at Lakeshore Technical College. Um, they offer a horticulture program so they can teach you how to grow vegetables. They can teach you how to um, do landscape, grow perennials, all sorts of stuff. So I had taken a class um, on how to grow vegetables. And I loved it. Absolutely loved it. So I was like, yes, this is it. And then figured like cut flowers is interesting. So I looked into it, got a couple books, and then then I was hooked. So I was like, yep, yep, this is what I want to do. So <laughs> that's how it all started. Do you think the pandemic played a role at all in you becoming a not only a farmer, but a farm her, a female farmer? <laughs> Yeah, I do think it did make a difference on some level because I think I had more time to sort of sit down and think about what I really valued and what I wanted out of my life. Not to sound very cliche, but life is short and, you know, you want to find a career after working in many careers, some of which I really didn't love. You know, now's the time. And I think a pandemic, yeah, it just causes you to sort of rethink what's important to you. And gives you the opportunity to start fresh. So definitely. I like that whole idea too. It's life is short and, you know, you've tried on a lot of different hats in your life and it's kind of at a, you know, especially as your kids get older, you reach this turning point where you think, okay, um, what is, what's going to bring me happiness? What's going to bring about that change I want to see in the world? And then you take a big risk and you go about and do it. What are a couple things that you found really easy to be in the process of switching, you know, to be um, a flower farmer? And then what what are some things that you found really challenging? Yeah. 
Well, I guess on some level, the easy part is coming up with ideas um, because there are just so many things that you can do. Like you can do Christmas ornaments, you can do forced bulbs, you can you can do, you know, your variety of flowers is wide open. You can do pressed flowers. You know, you've got a lot of different um, avenues you can go down. And I think it's hard to pick and choose. Like you want to try everything, but at the same time, if you do everything, you're a jack of all trades and a master of none. So it's, it's been, I think I'm trying everything initially to start off with on some level, on a small scale to sort of figure out like, okay, what sticks? Like you're throwing things at the wall to see what your customers really latch onto. So picking those things has kind of been a little more challenging. I think another, I I would say somewhat easy thing is, um, well, it has has been easy for me at least, um, has been some of the growing stuff. There's been challenges. Don't get me wrong. If you've ever tried to grow Lysianthus, you know challenges. <laughs> but but I feel like that seed stuff, I've had experience doing that in the past. So I feel like that I'm familiar with and has been pretty easy. But you know, the crop planning, the business end of things, uh, reaching out and trying to market to and get your niche has been difficult. And and I guess I would say, you know, juggling a, being a parent and especially a parent of a kid with special needs and my own needs, as well as, you know, my husband's needs are, you know, what our home needs, all those things are, are pretty difficult, especially in the summer when you don't have like a school where your kids can be all day and you've got to, you've got to figure out childcare and it's the busy season. So it, it's a lot to juggle as a parent, but, um, but I feel like it's worth it. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I can imagine. I know. um, Great to have all these ideas. It's like as a creator and a builder and an entrepreneur, it's like you have all these things you want to try, but then choosing which ones you actually need to bring to fruition so you can balance everything else in your life that that's challenging. I call them learning moments. Yes, definite (laughs) learning moments. Well, the weather's so fickle, you know, especially in Wisconsin. Um, I mean, everywhere with global warming. So it's hard to, I don't know. I feel like it's like gambling. You just don't know what's going to happen. Speaking of which, so my dad also likes to grow things. He's a great grower, but he's had quite the time with Japanese beetles. How has your experience been? Well, um, I, when I think of stressors in my life, and I picture a Japanese beetle, my body physically tenses up. <laughs> so just to give you a little insight. So Japanese beetles were the bane of my existence last year. I had to go to the farm, get them off of some of my flowers. They love basil and they love zinnias. Okay. They love, um, they love those things like nobody's business, especially basil. Yeah. Um, do, do you know why? Is it the smell of they're, it? They're, or, I've, I've heard that it is like the scent of it, that they do like certain scented things, but zinnias aren't scented. And some of the other ones that they like aren't scented. Okay. So I, I don't know. Whatever is tasty to them, I guess. Yeah. It's a mystery, <laughs> but, but they love it. It is. it is. Yeah. They love it. And I don't, I've never seen as many beetles as I have last year. Um, I would go twice a day. It was probably almost two hours a day. I would be picking off beetles because we are sustainable and I don't typically use sprays. And if we do, it's organic. Um, 
So it, yeah, nope, they are, they are the worst. <laughs> so, and, and if here's a, here's a word of warning, don't get the traps. And if you do, I mean, cause it, the traps will bring them in from a quarter mile away. And I kind of wonder if somebody nearby had had traps and was bringing them into the area or if it was just a bad year. So, yeah. Okay. So that's yeah. interesting. I know it's like a method people think would get rid of them, the traps, it's actually making it worse. So now, yeah, this is your second year in this endeavor. Um, It's thinking back to your earlier self, is there anything you wish you would have known that you didn't know before? Like if you could talk back to your earlier self, say, hey, try this or don't do that. In retrospect, in hindsight, which is always 2020, I would have put a lot less pressure on myself on being a productive and perfect grower because last year it was baptism by fire. Last year, from my understanding, from flower farmers throughout the U.S. and in Wisconsin, last year was a doozy. The insect pressure, the disease pressure, the drought was all, all sorts of things that were um, not, I mean, they're, they're somewhat typical, but to get all of it in such intensity was a lot. And I think I put this pressure on myself because you make a financial investment as a farmer and it's, it's a gamble. You just don't know what you're going to get. So I think I would have put a lot less pressure on myself. (laughs) Yeah, no, that makes sense. It's, it's easy to put the pressure on, but it's. Yeah, it's just something you're going to have to learn and figure out. And um, especially when you're an entrepreneur, you know, you're going to be making mistakes. And that's okay. Like you were saying before, those become learning moments that you take away from. Do you have a nice network of other farmers you talk to, like for advice? Yeah. Yeah. So there are some amazing groups out there and and also local farmers. So there are for some reason, I, I don't know if this is this can be said for every profession, but with flower farming, I feel like they are some of the nicest, kindest, most generous people out there. And so I connect with, um, I think, four or five local farmers in, in, you know, southeastern and somewhat northeastern Wisconsin. Um, So we can, you know, chat with each other and ask questions and answer as as best as we can. So that's nice. But yeah, that's nice to know that there's people, you know, willing to help. And and instead of being competitive, they're like, let's lift each other up and let's support each other. It, they're very generous with their time and and especially our local ones too. Um, I don't have a cooler and my local flower farming friend is letting me use her cooler. And that is, it's just, it's so important that if we lift one person up, we lift all of us up. And I feel like that, that community is kind of what we need right now more than anything is to help and, and be kind to each other. So agreed a hundred percent. So for our listeners too, is there anything you want to promote? Things that are coming up that you'd like people to know about? What's coming up in your season? Yeah, definitely. Well, um, so kind of start off with ranunculus early in the season. And typically early in the season, um, I mostly sell to florists, um, but I will have flowers at Goodside. Um, so look for them probably mid-May. I'll have some bouquets there. We also will be at Nourish's food fair. And that's, that's in May. So it's a little ways away, but I'll, I'll be there as well. But if you would like a subscription, we have those available online. 
you can do um, whatever months you would like. So it's January, or I'm sorry, July through September. And you can pick one, two, or all months. Um, if you pick three, you do get a discount. And you can do biweekly or every other week or every week. Then if my experiment works out, um, I've got bridal crown daffodils being forced in the basement right now. So they are these beautiful double kind of buttery yellow daffodils that are scented just really beautifully. Not not too strong, but just a nice light scent. We have those forced in the basement that I'll have for sale coming up. So um, they'll be online. And then I'm also hoping to make one of the farmer's markets at the First Congregational Church coming up. So we'll have some things available there and then online. You know, forced bulbs are a more sustainable way to have those beautiful flowers because 80% of all of our flowers are imported. So they're imported from South America. They're imported from Holland. Um, yeah, Ecuador, Colombia, Holland are the big ones. And that all has a cost environmentally and also from a human perspective, um, not to go too often to a tangent here, but I feel like, you know, people should know about this because it's important to know what you're purchasing. But these, um, most of the flowers grown in South America are usually in, in structures and they are temperature controlled, water, everything is controlled, but they are heavily sp sprayed with chemicals, um, pesticides and herbicides. The people who work there are exposed to those things. The schools around those areas are exposed to those things. So, you know, and then to the transportation costs of it all to fly those flowers out of season. So you use the water, you use the gas, all those things to grow and, and to move them, transport them. It, it's a big environmental cost. I'd love to see more sustainable flowers in Sheboygan that are locally grown. You can have them, but just in a modified version if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I think a lot of people, myself included, haven't really thought about the environmental cost of, you know, where flowers come from and the maybe effect it would have on local communities. So that's that's definitely good to know. If you'd like to learn more about Reba or her business Serendipity Cut Flowers, please check out the show notes. I'll have links to her website where you can get your own subscription to Fresh Cut Flowers. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time. Mm -hmm.